I'm Russ. And I'm Danny. And this is the Memory Makers Podcast. The show focused on helping you create amazing customer experiences and make more memories. Memory Makers Podcast. We're going quick again. I like it. Just quick <laughs> and to the point. Don't mess around. That's right. Hey, brother. How you doing? I am fantastic. I love it. Better than I deserve over here as well. And, um, you know, just we're getting into busy season. I mean, it always feels like it's busy season. It's just it's hard to slow down and smell the roses sometimes when we're trying to get all the things done. But excited to have some time with you. I always enjoy our little wax-ons that we get to do. Well, you know, you say slow down and smell the roses, and that that actually segues perfectly into something I wanted to talk about before we got into the actual topic of the day. You're welcome. At the the time of recording, it's kind of the midst of fall season, and fall for a lot of us is like that time of reflection because it's a very physical representation of a change of seasons, right? And it's also a very beautiful season, especially if you live somewhere in the Midwest or the Northeast where you get a lot of that foliage changing, right? And I've, I've just been thinking about it over the past couple of weeks because here in Colorado, that window of time for the leaves changing on the aspens is very short. Mm. If you blink, you're going to miss it. And it reminded me that we, if, if you want to see that stuff, if you want to experience it, you have to be intentional and go look for it. Otherwise, it'll just kind of pass us by. Boom, we're in winter and snow's coming on the way. And it was just kind of something interesting I'm reflecting on that the things that we enjoy or the things that we find joy in and for me part of that is the changing of the leaves Mm -hmm. i have to be very intentional to go out and look for it otherwise it's going to be gone yeah yeah ferris bueller that stuff man let's let's get after it i love that well i i think that today's episode we're going to be focusing on some good how do we take philosophical ideas and how to put them into tactical applications specifically around performance of team members of how are we setting up and clearly defining what we want success to look like how are we creating metrics and ways to track that especially in areas where that doesn't lend itself where there's not a spreadsheet of data that that naturally gives us a jumping off platform to start looking to shake it up and as we're then setting these goals and implementing new strategies to achieve them, how are we ensuring that we're continuing to empower our team members to buy in and take autonomy uh, or autonomous action to further those goals as well without slapping the wrist unnecessarily if things don't go perfectly according to plan and how are we inspecting what we're expecting with all of that? So, um, Danny, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's just jump right in on that. So let's start with identifying KPIs, so to speak, identifying what success looks like for every role. Because if you don't know what success looks like, how do you know if your team members are succeeding? And there's two problems with if we don't identify it. One is that we're just going to go from a leadership standpoint by a gut feel of whether or not we think the other person's meeting some imaginary set of standards that maybe lives in our brain or is just kind of uh, out in the ether. And two, the problem is that if we don't set clear expectations for our employees of exactly what success looks like in any given role, they also don't know what target to shoot for. And they don't know if and when they're meeting those standards. And so that's really important by 
uh, by way of, of defining that success. And for every role, it's going to be somewhat different, right? Someone operating the laser tag is going to have different success points than someone who is working the redemption, than someone who's a party coach, than someone running go-karts. They're all going to have slightly different success KPI, so to speak. And there's going to be two parts of this. And I'm going to hit on the first one of less data-driven and more observational, you know, less quantitative and more qualitative of the soft skills, so to speak. And before I hit on what those soft skills are, I actually, I heard a term recently, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Brene Brown, where she was talking about soft skills being a really bad term, like a really weak term, because anyone who is maybe more um, logic or engineering focused in their interests, they don't necessarily connect with the idea of soft skill because it feels very kind of touchy-feely and amorphous and hard to track. Really, these are human skills. Mm. And everyone, human skills apply to us all because we all need to be better at our human skills. We want to improve those over time, the way that we interact, show up, and communicate with others. Mm. So let's talk about what some of these human skills might look like when it comes to um, a laser tag marshal, someone who's operating a laser tag experience for your guests mm -hmm. so and Danny, I think that it, the, one of the hardest things and why we wanted to focus on this is that there are those roles that are really critical to a guest experience, but you're not going to be like your numbers of how many people we had play and what did they pay for and all of those kinds of things are not tangible to what the guests are experiencing in that moment. Whether or not they come back and play again can be an end result from that, but we're not seeing that we're providing in that moment what this experience should look like, which is why we wanted to delineate this for us. Speaking of experience in the moment, I'm realizing the door magically opened behind me. It's because oh, Macklin just walked in the room. Let me shut this real quick. Real you time got experience. It. Pause. Right. What is the the coffee talk? The Mike Myers SNL of I'm 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 a little verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so I'll my, give you a topic. Rhode Island, neither a road nor an island. Discuss. discuss yeah, a hundred percent. So we, there you go, everybody. You just got got a little coffee talk in the middle of uh, of the Memory Makers podcast. <laughs> I love it. We like to take the rabbit holes. So like getting it. back to what we were talking about, laser tag marshal. So yes. one of the first things is. Um, in order to understand some of these pieces, by the way, before I get into those characteristics, the only way you're gonna know if people are meeting these human skill standards is through observation. Get out of the office, get onto the floor, interact with your team, watch them interact with guests. Through observation is gonna be a really important key way to do this, um, to be able to see it for yourselves and provide feedback and coaching as necessary. So number one, laser tag marshal is body language and energy, right? If the guests come in and your employees kind of like leaning against the front and being like, okay, so we've got laser tag and you're going to put on your vests and here's how it works. And it's kind of explaining it in this way where they're leaning, poor body language, zero energy, not interested, that already off the bat, not good. No one's going to be excited about that experience. Laser tag is one of those things that's, that is exciting. It's more high octane when it comes to the kind of experience that you're going to have in that arena. And a better way is when someone walks in, good body language, welcome them in. Here's, we got the, the laser tag game. We're about to be going into the vesting room. All of you are going to get vested up. And just being more excited and bringing that energy and setting the stage and expectation for what the customer is going to experience as soon as they get into the arena. And that expectation goes a long way into how they're going to feel about the experience. Mm-hmm. 
are they giving the full briefing on the equipment? Are they explaining all the things that they need to explain about the equipment itself, the vest, the gun, how it works, and and how to be able to play and win the game? Are they giving a briefing on how the game mode works? You know, typically on your Friday, Saturday, Sundays, you're going to run kind of a standard two-team game. It's just, you know, you're going to tag people of the opposite color and go, right? But during the week, you're going to have different kind of game modes that you bring in, whether it's zombies or capture the flag or anything else. And these different types, how are they expressing that and explaining that to your guests? And then during the game, how proactive are they being? Are they just standing at the door where people walk into the arena and waiting in case somebody has a problem and then they come to them with the problem and then the person tries to fix it? Or are they actively proactively walking around the arena, making sure people are following rules, making sure, hey, there's a young kid who seems to be struggling with maybe the equipment or the gun or doesn't understand. How am I giving him some pointers to make sure that he or she is getting more points and is actively involved in having fun? Those are the kinds of human skills when it comes to the engagement with your guests that you want to be looking for. And if we see our employees not meeting those standards, and we don't say anything about it, then we are giving them permission to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's we don't want to give silent approval of the bad habits that we don't want. We've got to be able to address and give that real time coaching. So those are some of the human skills. Yeah, and and to your point, you're either coaching it or condoning it, either actively or passively, and and it's hard to be in all places at once. And so this is a great opportunity and a reminder of it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to go in and observe these things, but what is your, you know, what is your attractions, your your game room lead, your your team leads, your managers, your supervisors, these are things that they should be doing as part of that skill set. And that way they can have conversations. The other thing is, is while you're observing that stuff, you need to be doing it frequently enough with each person in each role to ensure that you've got a big enough data as uh, sample size to, to make sure, okay, was that a one-off? Are we having inconsistency issues with this? Or is it something that they are able to do that? And then some, you know, without issue that, that comes to that. And so, you know, it's, it's important that you still do observational data, but you're still tracking down, taking notes. Notes, have a ranking system of did you do that do you do this sometimes always never do you you know out of one to five how was the brief out of one to five how was the you know the the ex- explanation or engagement tailoring it to the bachelor party versus the birthday party I mean some of these things feel hard or nebulous to define but you can observe you can then start to identify some simple basic questions you just need to then have yourself or your team members going in there and and doing those inspections of what's expected um, to then be able to come back coach up and provide that feedback when you do have some folks like a party coach for example there may be some more tangible things that, that we can lean into um, around this role that, that are easy to track, you know, of things like our party starting on time and ending on time. How often are we having to do a little bit of double dutch to get the party room turned over? Um, is the party coach getting consistent upsells, whether additional arcade play or another attraction or things like that um, that, that are coming on there? And what's the average size of that upsell? What's the frequency of that upsell for for each of the people and that way you start to accumulate this data and you can see okay of all of my party coaches 
Samantha is is by far takes the the cream of the crop. She is, you know, she has the highest upsells, the highest average, you know, both in quantity and quality of those upsells. Um, and she gets the best survey results and the most survey results. So you can start to have more of those um, tangible data points that you look at. Uh, that, that again can be evaluated a little bit more remotely than what you know what is the the laser tag Marshall example that we were talking about before um, and one thing that is really important I, I we've found at least when you're starting to create some of these goals there are going to be some goals that you have where you're going to have to just kind of pick a, an, a, a desired outcome or result, but you may not have a baseline of data to be able to pick that arbitrarily. So we, we naturally will tend to pick bigger goals, more aggressive goals, but we need to be aware of as we actually do get that data in, as we're working towards that goal, was that original framework realistic based on what we're actually seeing? So knowing that, especially in some of this early goal setting and performance tracking pieces, if you don't have a strong baseline of data, give yourself room for some of that graceful disruption because you're going to have to help better define it as you go and maybe ask different questions than what you originally set out with. So just important to know that that some of that is it, it takes a little bit of a village and it takes some some swings at bat before it really feels like that stuff starts to click but it's that type of of problem solving framework and mindset around these things that consistently done over time will yield you better questions and better data as you continue to build off of it um if you are getting into these situations then okay well we're defining we've shaped these things we're you know we're adjusting in real time how do we start to handle what what it looks like when we maybe aren't on track to hit that goal is it the goal itself was flawed is it something that's just not happening in a process is it a something that the person is going through what where and how does that look like shouldn't be a surprise when we get to the end goal and go oh nuts we didn't finish this we didn't we didn't get this done like we should be having check-ins, you know, intermediately working towards that stuff. And again, we have to inspect what we expect. Otherwise, we're going to have nasty surprises at the end of that rainbow instead of a pot of gold. And so if employees are struggling, they want to know that they're struggling. Uh, they want you to know that they're struggling with that and need help in adjusting tools or metrics or whatever it may be um, to be able to do that. You're going to have to learn to lean into some of these uncomfortable conversations. And a lot of that is just setting up the framework and acknowledging like, hey, this is something that we are going to work to find together. I trust you to take this goal on because it's important for us as a company to be able to improve upon this. What else do you think would be you know, good for us to evaluate th this position by? What are some of the, the tangibles? What are some of the intangibles? What are limitations to where and how we can find that? By giving them buy-in to the process and understanding and defining what success looks like alongside of you, it's going to help them better internalize what it's actually going to take to get to that end goal, as opposed to the dictation from on high of, okay, I want you know 20% increase on upsells for arcade games um, from our birthday party packages figured out like that's just not going to because different people are going to have different ways of of what that looks like so you want to bring people into the crafting of some of these key performance indicators because it may be that in your mind it's an all you got to do is but in their mind it's well that's going to impact this piece or that piece of the guest experience because if i'm trying to go over here you know you need to get into the tyranny of how a little bit but you need to have them participate in the in the shaping of that to to make sure that hey 
that's a great point. We should adjust it this way. Or I understand that that's a, an issue or a point of frustration, but the juice is worth the squeeze because what we can get by doing this and getting more of this data, this is going to allow us to do this much more for our guests, or it's going to allow us to have this big of an impact, or it's going to allow us to hire more people in the back of the kitchen in order to increase our food service and give everybody more opportunities. It's just making sure that they're bought into the shaping of the process and understand what the bigger vivid vision, your Simon Sinek why, you know, pieces are affected by this. So that way they can care as much as you do with the buy-in. You mentioned uh, in there that employees want to know when they're struggling. They want mm-hmm. that feedback. And there's a story that I'm reminded of from Radical Candor. It's a book by Kim Scott, where she talks about an experience that she had working, I believe it was at a tech company. I'm not 100% sure where it was, but they had, she had an employee and she, for the book's purposes, named him Bob. That wasn't his real name, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. And Bob was the kind of person everybody loved Bob. He, they got along with him. He was such a great culture fit. But the problem was his work was terrible. And whenever he would do something, she would take it and kind of fix it and never say anything and just move on. And over time, it grew and grew and grew and never gave him feedback on it, just kind of silently f- was fuming until it got to the point where she was going to be losing her other team members unless she did something. And at that point, she had to sit Bob down for a really hard conversation and fire him. Mm -hmm. And his one reaction to that was, why didn't anyone tell me? I thought you people cared about me. Mm -hmm. And it really drives home the point that if we care about our team members, we have to be able to give them critical feedback. We have to be able to let them know where they're not meeting standards clear is kind Mm -hmm. and that's the way that she approached it and a big lesson that she learned from that from that you know kind of leadership mistake that she had so i think that's something i wanted to to share before i then move into okay well you you mentioned you got the kpis and you mentioned well how do we how do we respond when people there's a pattern of them not meeting that but there's a different side of this it's it's not quite the same thing is how do we respond when the employees make mistakes because mistakes are going to happen. So there's a, a quote that I love. I actually don't know who this is by. And it's something along the lines of life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond to it. Right? The way you respond to mistakes from your team members says a lot more about you than it does about them. Mm. Because if somebody makes a mistake and your first reaction is to immediately be like, what the heck did you, why did you do this? And just to blow up in their face and just pin all the blame on them. That is not going to lead to a good outcome. You're not going to be respected as a leader. The employee is going to feel awful about what they did. And now there may be some in circumstances where someone does something really, really stupid that has an enormous impact that, yeah, there may be places to react in that way or to that's going to be a quick fireable offense. But for most things that are going to be honest mistakes is let's assume positive intent. Let's put Mm -hmm. ourselves in their position. How did we get to the point where the mistake was made and what are the real consequences of it? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of them are not going to be, you know, life or death consequences. They're not going to be something that's catastrophic to the business or the customer experience. They're things that we can pivot. Okay. Change, change this, fix mistake and move on. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, during that process when somebody is making a mistake to go to them to assume positive intent because if we assume negative intent 
it's going to be a bad outcome. And I've, yeah. I've seen that in so many different kinds of businesses, whether it's in the family entertainment industry or elsewhere. If you go in assuming negative intent, it's starting that conversation off on a really bad tone. So, well, and I think that if you come in guns blazing in a situation like that, like the retraction of that person who very likely feels bad about what has happened and, and already, you know, if they're the right kind of team member, is already assuming a personal responsibility to an extent for some of that stuff. And we need to understand context, like what else was happening here? Help me, you know, I and and acknowledging like, hey, I really appreciate you, you know, having to go through that. I'm sure that that was hard. But, uh, you know, I, ultimately, I see that you you were wanting to have, you know, help fix this situation so that, uh, you know, we want to positively reinforce that and bookend that at the front of the conversation before we start unpacking the, the game film, as it were. Yeah. And, you know, when we start unpacking that game film, it's it's helping to you as a leader probably have a different and and maybe better perspective than a frontline employee would. And it's help helping to talk them through the process and kind of holding up the mirror so they can internalize what happened. And it's also asking them questions about what did you learn from this, mm -hmm. right? Because every mistake that we make or every challenge that we go through, there's going to be something that we learn. There has to be something that we learn. Mm -hmm. And this idea of mistakes is not just focused on your employees. It's also focused on the leadership level. You know, one of the, at the, um, April Amusement 360 event we held this year, Craig Buster from Coconut Bowl was there as an operator interview. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, I had asked him about, you know, mistakes that he's made in his career because he's been there for over 20 years at Coconut Bowl and helping grow that over time. And in, in that timeline, he's definitely made some mistakes. And some of them have been costly. You know, he shared on there that he had an attraction that he was really excited about and he went for, went all in. It was a half a million dollar attraction that lasted all of a summer. And when summer was over, it was so bad that he ended up throwing the whole thing in the trash. Mm -hmm. And that was a big pivotal moment of a big mistake that he feels he had made. And the ownership team came to him and said, all right, well, what did you learn? And he explained it. And they're like, are you ever going to do that again? He goes, oh, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And then they recognize, yep, it was a mistake. Yes, it cost us some money for sure, but we all learned from it. We're all better for it. Let's move forward. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really powerful message on something that, you know, we're talking about mistakes on a smaller scale from employees, but this is maybe a more exaggerated version of what that is. And a proper way to respond yeah, that sucks losing that money for sure. Nobody wants to lose that amount of money ever, ever. But mm -hmm. everyone learned from it and the business became much, much better in the long run from it. And you had mentioned, you know, something that was important is to to hold up the mirror. And what we mean by that is asking a lot of questions to get them to verbally process like what's happened allows you to gain context and understand kind of where their where their mindset was, what they felt their options were at the time in the heat of the moment. We don't always have, you know, the best critical thinking because when emotions are high, logic tends to go down and vice versa. It's that teeter totter, you know, piece that our friend Scott Harvey has talked to us about and, and it, it getting them to process that out by asking more questions than just telling them what they did wrong allows them to also better understand and come up with solutions to craft it. So if you have something that comes up of, 
hey, thank you so much for taking care of this customer. I'm so sorry that they were coming at you with all of that heat. I do appreciate you working to get them taken care of and leave here ultimately with a, a better experience than they would have if you had just, you know, not not tried to fix that problem. And then it's what do you feel led to some of that happening? How can we avoid that in the future? And what should we be doing as a team differently that we want to help others learn from as well? So that way it's not something that that has a high likelihood to repeat itself. And it's those kinds of questions um, as opposed to just jumping in of, hey, I know that you gave this person a $20 gift card. I really felt like we could have gotten away with a $10 gift card to fix this problem. Like, you know, yada, yada, yada. You've now taken an employee who's trying to work to make a a problem for a customer go away and their ability to feel like they have control and positive impact on that, you've now taken them away from it. And and at times we can have a negative Pavlovian response where they're going to retreat from those situations because they've gotten their, you know, snout hit with the newspaper roll for lack of a better, (laughs) lack of a better comparison. So it's, it's making sure to really acknowledge and, and, um, and show them that we appreciate what they're trying to do, getting them to internalize it through asking questions and own then how do we then make sure that the rest of the team can benefit from this moving forward. So that graceful disruption is a key key term that I like to bring back of mistakes happen, they are messy. How do we get through that process in a way that we're coming out as a team stronger on the other side, as opposed to just looking to vent frustration in the moment for somebody who maybe didn't know what they could have done differently in a high stress situation. So let's wrap up this episode. We started by talking about identify what success looks like in every single role in your business, be able to give feedback when those expectations aren't being met on a consistent basis and learning how to respond to employees when they do make mistakes. And when we can do all three of these things, it helps create a better culture. We haven't talked really at all about culture and use that word, but that's really what this is about. Everyone talks about, I want a great culture. These are some practical ways for you to actually make that happen. And so hopefully you're able to take some of this, maybe make some tweaks and adjustments to your own processes and make the engagement and interaction with your employees even better. At a baby. I love it. I love it. Love it. I think that's an awesome place for us to wrap. We just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in each uh, to each episode and continuing to gain value from it. Uh, keep in touch and, and check out the new episodes that we'll be having. Check out the old ones that are there if you're new to the podcast. And uh, we'll continue to have guests and more topics across all things philosophical, strategical, all of the things coming your way. So if you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. A five-star never hurt anybody, so please and thank you for that. If you've got ideas for future episode topics or guests, follow us on social media and shoot us a DM. And as always, big shout-out to Mikey Mike on the ones and twos, working the ultra web back there. Please feel free to share the word about this podcast if there are friends of yours that you know will benefit from this in their family entertainment centers. And we will catch you on the next one, Troublemakers. <laughs>